the the company that we talked about where we said, oh, we met this girl. She was a college student at NYU. They got they did that clubhouse thing where they did shoot your shot. And she, I met her and I was like, wow, you're a star. I don't know what this idea is. She was doing like some web three version of the bachelor. I was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. But this is, hey, that's okay. That, this is your terrible idea. You're going to do amazing things. I think they might've already pivoted into something kind of amazing or found something amazing under their umbrella. And it's these shows. So the watch one has in, in four weeks, 14 million views, 2 million likes and a total budget of, I think, $2,000, 190,000 followers. All right, we're live. Brother, it's been dry for me. Not a lot of research and ideas going on. Are you the same? Dry season? It's dry season. Yeah, I um, I know what you mean, but um, I can't say I relate because your boy's wet. Really? You have stuff? I'm just dripping with concepts. You know, actually, I have all the stuff prepared. And then, like, typically in the four hours before we record... I just come up with a whole different set of things that I want to talk about. The first one is, okay, so I don't know the full backstory of this, but I, I do think it's kind of cool. So I saw a tweet that basically said there's like five 21-year-olds who are building, you know, some next generation media company. Uh, okay, well, what are, you, what are you guys doing? Well, basically, it took them one month and they launched a series of original TikTok shows so not just like themselves on TikTok, but an actual show. So there's one show called Buying Time. It's where they buy and sell watches, like kind of like on the fly. Um, and you get to see them like buy or sell and negotiate the watch. What's the name of the company? So the name of the company, what is their name? Um, I thought it was related to that Mad Realities thing. It might be. So to say it sounds like that. I think it is related to them. I'll, I'll try to try to go find it. Yeah, it is. It's either produced by them. It's theirs or... They're like in the network. I'm not sure, okay. but they're in in their bio for all the shows. It's at Mad Realities, right? So that the brand that we the, the company that we talked about, where we said, oh, we met this girl. She was a college student at NYU. They got they did that clubhouse thing where they did shoot your shot, and she, I met her and I was like, wow, you're a star. I don't know what this idea is. She was doing like some Web three version of The Bachelor. I was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. But this is hey, that's okay. That, this is your terrible idea. You're gonna do amazing things. I think they might have already pivoted into something kind of amazing or found something amazing under their umbrella. And it's these shows. So the watch one has in, in four weeks, 14 million views, 2 million likes at a total budget of, I think, $2,000, 190,000 followers. And what are they doing on the show? And does that too, and by the way, does, some of these numbers might be a little off. We, we got, we got Brandon, the researcher. He's running on the hamster wheel in the back here. He's trying to get all the data, but sometimes I mess up kind of reading his data. So, so, Numbers are directional for, for anything I ever say. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I did watch this other one, Keep the Meter Running. So Keep the Meter Running is cool. You'll like this concept. They get in a cab in New York and the guy's like, all right, where are you trying to go? And he's like, uh, where do you like to go in New York? Why don't you take me there? And he's like, I've what? seen this. It's and so he's like, good. He's like, take me to your favorite, favorite place. You know, let's go eat. Uh, you, you want lunch? Have you eaten today? And the guy's like, no, I, I don't eat till the end of my shift. He's like, let's go take me to your favorite spot. He's like, Okay. He's like, yeah, just keep the meter running. And they basically drive to like, you know, the little, the like halal town part of New York to get out. And you hear this he's story. Like, leave the meter like running. He's like, he's like, leave the meter running. They go inside, they eat. He asks him about his kids and his life and how he ended up with a taxi. Does he like it? And they're just enjoying a meal. And they just do that the whole day. Uh, also 2.4 million likes, 160,000 followers budget. It's was really, really great, man. That's a really, really great good. show. Have you seen it? 
I've seen it. It's like um, if Humans of New York was a TikTok yeah. show. And, um, and so they definitely find some gems of like human beings. And you're just like, by the end of it, you're just like, I just love this dude. I just want this like taxi driver to have an easier life. And a it's better a great life. show. But he's happy too, which is the best part. It's not, it doesn't make you feel guilty because they're sad. They're very happy and content with the simple life. And uh, most of the people who are watching TikTok have like 10 times more going for them than, than this guy and are 10 times less happy and you know, discontent just scrolling TikTok basically at the time. So it's like one of those things that makes you feel good. So it's a feel good show. Then they have this other one called Einstein Elementary. It's basically this guy. He calls himself the Einstein of Wall Street. Kind of looks like Einstein. He's got gray hair puffing out to the side. And he just explains stock market shit in like simple terms. And this one has a million likes and 100,000 followers. And I'm just like, this is really, really cool. They're basically prototyping these shows that could be produced into real shows, or this might be it. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because A, 21-year-olds doing cool shit, love it. B, if you think about like what's the next generation, like, you know, you worked on that show or worked with a guy from American Pickers, or like there's all these like random niche shows, right? It's like, yeah, these guys, they go into fucking storage units and they like, you know, they have to cook a meal out of what's in there. You know, what it's like, well, who the fuck thought of this? Why am I watching this for two, two and a half hours? Um, those shows are going to happen on TikTok, not TV. And they're going to happen like a thousand fold. You're going to get a thousand times more experiments just using TikTok. The second thing is I have this framework that I learned from my buddy Suli, which was the doors versus windows. So when I saw this, I was like, huh, they got like, you know, millions of views but they kind of don't make any money and it kind of goes away. So I don't really see the opportunity. And at first I kind of wrote it off like, yeah, that's the problem with TikTok, man. You can get, you can pop off, but like, then what? So what? And I think that's so what drives away a lot of people. But there's another part of me that's like, of course, this is valuable. Of course, if you created a show that people like and millions of people watch it, there's going to be value there on this platform that's growing and taking over like the entire social media. It's like the fastest growing company in the world. Uh, of course, you being one of the fastest growing channels on the fastest growing comp- you know, media app is a, is a very valuable thing. It's just not clear exactly what that value is, how you'll capture it. And in a few years, it'll be like, wow, this person makes a hundred million dollars off TikTok. That's crazy. Right. The same way we say about Mr. Beast on YouTube yeah. and people on Twitch. Oh, Ninja makes how many millions of dollars on Twitch? That's crazy. Just for playing video games. And to me, this is a, a windows versus doors thing. When the, the analogy goes that, like this, most people only want to work for window on window opportunities, window opportunities where you can see straight through and you can see what's the value on the other side and you see what's inside. Then you can open up, open the window or break the window, whatever, hop in and take the value. But a door opportunity is like a door is opaque. You can't see what's on the other side. You know, there's probably something, but you don't see exactly what it is. And it's good to go for window opportunities because you can see exactly what's there. But it is bad to be the type of person who only will do things and only take massive effort on window opportunities and you never go knock on doors. And when you knock on doors, it's because uh, 90% of other people have just walked by because they don't know what's inside. They don't, they don't want to make the effort. And I think this is a doors opportunity where people on TikTok are going to get way bigger than most people realize. They're going to figure out how to make money, even in these like 15 seconds of fame moments that they're having. And huge brands are going to be built this way. And I just think it's a door opportunity. We haven't, we haven't heard the five success stories you need to hear before it becomes a gold rush and everybody starts to copy it. 
That's true. I think, though, in some regard, you I, like I work in the media industry, so do you. Like, it's a pretty like tried and true method of like getting an audience and making money through advertising. So I have faith that they'll figure it out. The thing that a lot of these companies where they screw up, there's basically. I've been thinking a lot about this, but I, there's like one or two mistakes that you can make. In, well, I mean, I've thought of one or two mistakes that you can make in business that are like basically irreversible. So most decisions are reversible. Not all, but most. And a few that are not is if you screw up your cap table and you raise too much money. And you have a company like BuzzFeed that makes like $350 million in revenue, maybe like $50 million in profit. I think their market cap is 150 million right now because uh like they're like I don't know how they're going to uh, you know uh, I don't know how the the markets work like this but they're never going to like live up to the hype that they once had of like 5 billion or whatever it is. Same with uh like Bird Scooter. Bird Scooter maybe not a horrible company. Did you see what their market cap is today? It's, it's like 70 million or something, right? What is it? No, 40. 40 million dollars. Wow. 40 million dollars. And so a company like the like Dude, these, houses worth more than bird. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> the founder, the founder owns house. The founder bought a $20 million house. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> like the hustle was basically almost worth more than bird and bird sold or raised, I think like a billion dollars, right? To be fair, the hustle was way cooler than Bird. <laughs> I mean, hey, dude, scooters littered all over the city. Like, I fuck with that. I, you know, I, I I like riding a scooter. <laughs> oh, nice. We got your socks on. <laughs> but the, the the point being with this with this person's business, they could I think they could kill it as long as they don't raise too much money. Because if they do, then I think that they're gonna they're gonna die and it's gonna be horrible. Did I ever tell you the story about Elizabeth Murdoch calling me? No. What was it? So the week the hustle launched. I wrote this blog post saying that we launched and I get a call, a, a call, and it was this Australian lady. She goes, hi, this is Elizabeth Murdoch. And I knew right away who that was. But I was like, wait, like Rupert's daughter, like the owner of Fox. Liz, she what's was popping? Like, yeah, I was like, Liz, what's <laughs> what's up? What are you doing calling? She goes, hey, I saw your blog post and I think what you're doing is really cool. I, uh, I think she said it, either she's launching or she already launched this company called, uh, I think it was called Vertical Networks. And it was exactly this thing where she goes, uh, basically, I negotiated a deal with Snapchat and uh, they asked me to make content for them. So I'm funding people to make content. And you seem kind of like a loose cannon who's pretty funny. Uh, can I like, I don't remember, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she was like, can I like, buy you or like fund you and you just make content for us on Snapchat? And I was like, huh. That's interesting. So I get in touch with like the guy running the company. His name's Tom. He's awesome. And he was like, yeah, so basically just like move here and just start making content all day uh, for Snapchat. And I was like, I don't know, man, that seems like a lot of work. I don't really want to do that. I've got a girlfriend who I'm probably going to get married to. And he goes, all right, well, no big deal. We'll find someone else. And so they find someone else. And it's a, uh, these four guys or three guys. And they started a YouTube channel and a snap or a Snapchat channel and then a YouTube channel. And it's called Yes Theory. Have you heard of Yes Theory? Oh, no way. That's that came from that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So Yes Theory is this, it's like three guys and their whole idea is like, they do crazy shit where they like, and these guys are like, they're they're my age, but at, at the time when they started, they were like 25 and 26. So like these young, like good looking dudes and they would meet someone on the streets of Venice, this like cute girl and be like, hey, do you want to go to Rome right now? Or they would get, in, they would get in an Uber and they're like, hey, Uber driver, um, do you want to go to Hawaii this second? We'll, we'll go and just leave your car there. We'll just pay for everything. And they do these crazy things like this. And it's a, this great show. And it started, 
this way as as one of these Snapchat shows. And so what these young uh, women are doing with this like with this media company, it's the same thing that like has worked before in the past. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I didn't know uh, I didn't know you did that. Wow, you were so close to a whole different life. I don't regret it, man. Those guys like have if you follow their story, dude, it, they get burnt out like because they would do this crazy stuff. At first, it was like, let's go skydiving or let's make a bucket list and do it. And then it was like, let's go to the most remote place on Earth for 24 hours. And then let's go live on an island with people who have never seen white people. Why is it that you always hear about YouTubers getting burnt out, but you never hear podcasters really getting burnt out? Because we don't do shit. We just sit here and talk like we don't have to do anything. <laughs> like, dude, my friend Noah Kagan has this YouTube channel where he has to go and like among like many knocks things, on he, doors and shit. He like knocks on doors and asks people how they got rich. Dude, I don't even if I don't see cornflakes at the grocery store, I don't buy it. I'm, I'm too embarrassed to ask the clerk at the counter where they are. <laughs> like if, if it's not on Amazon or easily available at a corner store, I don't buy it. Like I can't imagine knocking on a door and asking them how they got rich. It's hard. It's exhausting. Especially. Like Noah's cool. He's he's a friend of ours, but isn't it kind of like Noah? You're above this. Like you're Noah. You're rich. We should be knocking on your door and asking yeah. you how you got rich. Isn't the point of being rich that you don't have to do this bullshit? <laughs> like, yeah, but he's you know he's, he's leave just it to trying the to broke play, boys. <laughs> he's trying to play the game. He's trying to get popular. I don't know. He's just trying to get popular, and so it's working. And, and he actually has this new series where he interviews old people and who are rich and asks them if it was worth it. And that's actually a very, very cool series. That, one, that one's cooler. It's also more like a th- podcast. It's yes. But yeah, dude, YouTubing is just, it seems too hard of a job. So anyway, yeah, yeah I'm on board with what these young women are doing. But Be- uh, before you move, are you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, let's go to something else. Wait, but before you do, I have to, I want to say something to our listeners. I'm going to say this every episode now until we hit like 500,000 subscribers. I want to present a, a gentleman's agreement. Do you know what a gentleman's agreement is, Sean? I was born under a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Good. A gentleman's agreement? I don't know what that means. I actually, I actually don't know what it means. <laughs> so, like, it's like a handshake that agreement. A, it's a, non, it's a non-papered contracted agreement. So people tell us all the time that they get addicted and they get obsessed with this podcast. That is awesome. And so it doesn't matter if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, or you're on iTunes, whatever you're using right now. If this is the, the first episode you're listening to, you get this one for free. But if it's the second episode or more that you've listened to, here's our gentleman's agreement. You go to your YouTube app or whatever you're on and you click subscribe or follow or whatever it is. And you do that for us. We make this for you. We're your like little research laboratory rats. We're doing all this crap for you. Just go and do that for us. Because the more you do that, the more views we're going to get, the more hyped we get, the more dopamine we get and the harder we work. So that's our gentleman's agreement. If this is your second plus episode, just go and do that for us right now. That's all, that's my gentleman's agreement. And and the goal is you said five hundred thousand what YouTube subscribers? I think we should just say five hundred thousand. I think we should just say five hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. We've gone from twenty thousand to one hundred fifty thousand in the last year. One hundred fifty to five hundred this year, twenty twenty three. All right, down five hundred. And also, where's our plaque? I don't know, dude. I want the plaque. Like, where is the plaque? You know, we talk about participation trophies like it's a bad thing. I want it. I want that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you say 80% of success is just showing up. Well, I showed up. Where's my plaque? Yeah. <laughs> we were supposed to get a plaque at 100,000. It got sent to the HubSpot headquarters somewhere. Darmesh is sitting there polishing our plaque, showing it off at his parties like it's his. Where is the plaque? I need to know. There's a conspiracy. And I need to know. And I told I told the people on Twitter because I said, hey, what sh- who should keep the plaque? Me, Sam, how are we going to do this? We're remote. It's only one plaque. They said they'll give you and a bunch then, of them. And then people said, small boy stuff. You're worried about a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand subscriber plaque. And I said, you know what? You're right. We're going to take the plaque. We're going to take it to a field and we're going to destroy it because it's totally small boy plaque. We're not, we're not celebrating until we're at a million. Um, but we need the plaque to destroy it office space style. Like that is the, yeah, that, well, is the that is the idea. I have no problem destroying your plaque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you frame yours. Destroy mine. <laughs> yeah. My point is, this is our gentleman's agreement, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up our agreement every single time we do a pod. So that's it. That's all I got to say. We can go to the next segment. I do think you totally misused gentleman agreement, but whatever. It's uh, that's for the okay. best. Okay. What, um, you had a thing about uh, CoffeeZilla, and also, can we talk, two after things happened, after yeah. our previous episodes. Number one, Tim Ferriss tweeted out our podcast. Cool moment. Tim Ferriss maybe was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Love that guy. He listened to our section where we're talking about him and my experience meeting him and all that, your experience meeting him. And he said, first he emailed me, he just goes, Hey, heard the, heard the pod, loved it. He goes, so funny. Sam was talking about how OCD I am about editing things. He goes, normally I am, but you edited it. Great. Thumbs up. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, good. good. Uh, and then, I, um, by the way, I hope I was, I hope he didn't take that as disrespect. It was supposed to be a, a compliment. Yeah. For, an admirable uh, thing. Tim, ignore the words we say. We're sucking up to you, all right? Whatever we say, we might make some footfalls on that, but we just badly want to be your friend, all right? That's just all that's that's all that you need to take away from any of this. Um, all right, second thing. We did this episode with Billy McFarland, the guy from Fire Festival, and I think you like hit him up and hung out with him afterwards. Is this true? Yeah, he on the pod or either like before or after I forget, I told him where I'm I'm basically visiting family right now. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm right down the street from you. And so I texted him and I just said, thanks for coming on. Yeah, like I'm, we're, I'm down the street from you. And he, and, and he said, great. You want to go hang out right now? I go, yeah, sure. Let's just go. We'll go get some ice cream. What'd you guys do? We went and got we got tea because it was past 3 p.m. And I didn't want to drink coffee. By the way, so I got that is the move. Don't do coffees anymore. Ice cream. Just take people I, out to ice cream. It's dude, fucking I don't amazing. Like, it's an amazing move. <laughs> I didn't want to lick a thing in front of them. I think that's weird. Well, and, you got to uh, get the spoon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so we went and hung out and we talked about like, I, I can't talk about it all, but we talked about like his family. I just wanted to ask him. I was like, tell me about how you were raised. Like, tell me about your family. So I won't mention that stuff. But we talked about family stuff. Uh, and then we talked about like uh, prison stories. Um, which she like mentioned on the pod a little bit. And then I basically told him what I said here, which was this idea that you had on the pod. That's really stupid, man. I bet you that you could charge startups $20,000 a month and be like a consultant. Just do that. And he goes, yeah, let's talk about that. And so we talked about that, about like what we would do if, if we were in his situation and what I think he should do. And uh, I talked about... Um, the mistakes he made and like, why did you, why, what were you thinking? And he, he basically expanded on what we talked about in the pod, which was like, I just didn't want to look stupid. And I lied and I was embarrassed <laughs> and I just got into this, you know, I just did something bad, but uh, yeah, hung out with them. And here's my takeaway. I understand why people believed him. 
very believable, very charming. Um, <laughs> like every time like he talks, did take you to ice cream after all, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like I got wine and dine and I could honestly see myself becoming friends with him. But at the same time, I'm like, are you doing it again? Uh, so, you know, and that's what I told him. I, I was like, it's hard yeah, for me all to right. like, he could, I think he was, I think he was entertaining enough. And I think he was, he seemed fun. Like, why not be friends with him? And hey, even if he does it again, it's that's my fuck up friend, man. Everybody's got a fuck up friend who just keeps fucking up. He might be yours. It's okay. If that's the worst case scenario, let's say it's the worst case scenario. He kind of, you know, steps in, in poo poo again, makes, makes the bad decision. Let's say that's the worst case scenario. That's all right. No, no, no sweat. I feel like you're a little scared to just be friends with this guy. Just be friends with him, dude. Our software is the worst. Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better. I'll be friends with him. I won't do any business with him for a long time until like we've, you know, he's proven Will you otherwise. hang out with him in public together? Or are you shame? I already did. I already did. No, I hung out with him in public. No, and if right, someone, good. if I was, if I was with him and someone said something mean to him, I would be like, Dude, you gotta don't do that right now, please. Like, don't say is, that about is, my friend Billy. Yeah, don't say that about my friend Billy. Because here's the deal. <laughs> That's what I'm talking he, about, dude. He served his time, so uh, I've like a volunteered. I'm, I'm a saint, by the way. I've volunteered at prisons <laughs> before, so like I'm a real saint. Uh, I've like worked with these types of people before. Everyone gets gets a second chance, and man, five years or f- how much did he serve? Four years. That's a Four long years. fucking time. That is a college. long time. That is college, except. Like you don't leave your dorm room ever, you know, like it's the worst. And, uh, you know, I think he paid the price. So, uh, it was really exciting to, to kind of hang out with him. What did you think about the pod with him? Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, I thought he was, you know, likable and I thought he was interesting and I, I, all the same things you thought. I thought he was likable. I thought he was interesting. Uh, you know, I thought he's, you know, owned up to what he did and he didn't try to deny it or deflect it or give some BS excuses. He was just like, yeah, I messed up. I did it. And I think that most people who lie don't lie because they're evil. They lie because they're insecure and they lie because they're afraid. I know this because anytime I lie is because I'm insecure or afraid. And, um, and so, you know, I don't really... Like, I think that's a completely understandable thing. And I think he did it at a scale, which was bad. Obviously, that affected people. That was bad. Uh, But also, you know, put it into perspective, you know, like, what did he do? He lied to professional investors who, you know, in their diligence didn't uncover it. They're fine. You know, no no harm done for them. There were some people that went to this uh, festival that got disappointed. That's, you know, unfortunate. But, you know, okay, it was a bad, really bad party. And then I think the worst thing was like the, the locals of the island, I think were sort of left holding the bag in some way. I don't know the full details of that, but I would say that's probably the most kind of harm done from it. And I don't think that was his intention at all, right? I think his intention was to try to pull this thing off and he he uh, tried to fake it till you make it and he faked it and didn't make it. And like, this is what happens when you fake it, didn't make it, right? So like, I think that he rightfully got convicted. I think he served his time and I don't hold that against him uh, going forward. I was just giving you a hard time because I feel like you like the guy, but you're trying to like slightly tiptoe a bit around it and i think your honest feeling no, is like uh, i like this guy feeling, and he's fine and you know like let's let's move on with life and see what he does from here that is my honest feeling i like him and i'm eager to see what he does but i'm still like i'm still arm's length but here's here's what the fascinating thing that i when i hung out with him 
I call it like the resistance. So I've said this before. The world wants us to be vanilla. They want us to put put us in his box. And people who <laughs> so resist that. Of you. What are you, what are you, where are you going with this? People who resist that, I'm fascinated by them. Even if they are truly a saint or if they're a criminal, there is like this allure, this fascination that I have with them no matter what. And I think we all do. We all like that. You know, people who are like, this is why cult leaders are awesome. You're like, oh, my God, you're convincing me that there's like another way of living. And and, right. and he, he has that same thing. And there's levels to this is what I'm learning. And his level of like, he he kept telling me, he was like, I thought I could pull it off. And in my head, I'm like, you're fucking insane. Everything <laughs> Every little bit of, of evidence points to you not being able to pull this off. But there's something about you that you think that you could pull this off, even when all the odds are against you and you're delusional, you still believe it. And there's something incredibly fascinating about this. And it's so interesting that, that he raised $25 million for a festival when he was 25 years old. And he was just like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. I only look forward. He was, I think he said on the pod, he goes, I only look forward to like, what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and I like, I was like, that's fascinating to me because that is not what we are. We're, 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 we're bullied into this box. And anyone who resists that I think is in- interesting to me. I think you are, you touched on something very, very true. I used to say this all the time. I go, I feel like the world is Baskin Robbins, but all 31 flavors are vanilla. And I'm just because I was like, I look around and it's all vanilla, vanilla over here, another vanilla choice over there, another vanilla choice over there. Everybody's living these very vanilla lifestyles. And I'm not going to pretend I'm some renaissance man, adventurous, but in my own way, I feel like I fight the good fight against vanilla. I try to choose to live my life in a way that makes sense to me, even if it is non-standard. Um, and that has and that is something like deep inside deep inside the core i feel that i feel that that's what i'm meant to do that's how i'm meant to live and i take great pride anytime i do something non-vanilla i try not to do it just for non-vanilla sake but actually sometimes i do that too just to push it right like sometimes i just go and i go eat the you know caramel ribbons or the 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 bubblegum flavor whatever i don't even like it the bubblegum flavor tastes tastes nasty but i'll just do it just to remember, remind myself not to be totally vanilla. And so I am with you on that. And that brings me to something that you tweeted out that I wanted to talk about. It's called the adventurous. This is a, how sick is that? You tweeted something out about this. You go, this, you said, I don't know what you say. This looks awesome. I want to do it. I go to the website immediately. I'm like, oh, this requires leaving the house. Not going to do it. But let's just check out what other people are doing. The copywriting is so good. The copywriting is great. I'm just going to read it out loud because I think it is worthy of of a little oral speech here. So we're the adventurous. This is what it says on the website. We're fighting to make the world less boring. Our planet used to slap us about the face cheeks with iron fists of adventure every day. Maps had edges to walk off. Whole continents lay undiscovered. But now the entire surface of the earth has been scanned by satellites and shoveled into your mobile phone, tagged with twattery about what restaurant serves the best mocha latte frappa shit. We live to find ways to make the world a bit more difficult, to bring chaos into our over sanitized lives, to create adventures where you don't know what will happen tomorrow or even if you'll make it. Because we think there is no greater moment than those seconds as you leap into an abyss of uncertainty and potential disaster. Okay, so this is art. Art. Fellow artists out there. <laughs> you remember the episode where Sam declared that he's an artist and he's got to create shit? 
this is this is really amazing copywriting. I think this is like such a good example for the swipe file of a like, you know, in my power writing course, I'm going to like use this as one of the examples of an us versus them, uh, us versus them frame, where right? a status quo breaker, which says the status quo, if they took something good, which was that, wow, your mobile phone has, you know, like the full map and you can get directions, you can find the best restaurants you can. And they're like, you coddled little baby. You are, you're living this over sanitized life. Don't you remember what you were put on this earth to do and how life used to be back in the good old days? And I think that that nostalgia, the us versus them, this is amazing copywriting. Are you going to actually do one of their things? Yeah, I, I messaged them and I and I said like, uh, I was like, hey, I'm going to try and brag to you because I want to impress you. But here's who I am. And I like listed off a bunch of credentials. I go, I'm not asking for a discount. Also I'm great copy. For- how do you, yeah, how do you I- brag without, how do you brag while nodding at, look, I know what I'm doing here. I know why I'm doing this. I just want to say this out loud. Likeable brag. Yeah. I emailed them. I go, uh, well, I'm going to list a bunch of accomplishments because I want you to know who I am. I'm not exactly a somebody, but I'm not exactly not a somebody. Uh, here's what I've done. <laughs> and I and I listed it out and I go, the reason I'm explaining this is I'm going to pay full price. I'm not asking for any type of discount or anything like that. But like I want to do one of the America one and I want to maybe like bring a bunch of friends and like tweet about it and things like that. Like when are you doing an America one? Because they basically what this company does is you pay $1,900 or something like that. It's pretty cheap. And then they either give you a car or a motorcycle or maybe a bicycle for different races. And they host these races like in Mongolia and they drop you off at point A. And then it's like you have three days to travel 300 miles to point B. And they literally just say, all right, everyone, bye. We'll meet you at point B. (laughs) Figure it out. And like one of those things is like you have to drive a mini bike, which is like a 50 cc, which is a very small motorcycle. It's basically what they wrote on Dumb and Dumber. Another <laughs> one is uh, like a car a that is a rickshaw, which is like a well, you know what a rickshaw is, yeah, yeah. And so like they do these crazy things, and yeah, they're amazing. And Sean, go to their FAQs for the event. This is another like really good. Um, a really good way to like explain how to do copywriting because their FAQs they're discussing, go to like click one of the random races and then go to like the FAQs. They're discussing okay. really serious topics in an incredibly conversational way. So they'll say like, they'll say like, um, we plan on doing this unless COVID ruins it, then it just ruins it. Like they just like okay, talk I'll, in a I'll, really, here's like, an example. I clicked Mongolia and it says the route, um, uh, the section one, the route. Mongolia is big, really effing big. And driving through it, as any of you ex-Mongol rallyers know, is brain-squashingly awesome. Thousands of miles of endless horizons, mountains, dirts, roads, nomads, blah, blah, blah. So riding through it on a motorbike designed for children is simply resplendent. I don't know what that means. Uh, Mongolia <laughs> calls to the soul like a fly to shit. And then it sort of explains what's going on. And then go to the, go to the FAQs and you'll see like they're like, you pay $1,900. With that comes your little mini bike. Some of which are good, some are bad, but that's part of the excitement. And then, like, like they, uh, and they just like explain says, this. Like, what really- will I eat? Mutton, noodles? Question mark. Whatever you bring with you, buy on the route, or are lucky to be offered, lucky enough to be offered along the way. Period. Next question. Yes. How good is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. Who's behind this? Is this like uh, just a guy? I think it's just two guys, like two friends, like these. Like I, I watch their videos. They make launch videos for each one, and just two guys. Uh. It's really fascinating. So I want to do one. I don't want to travel to Mongolia because like by the time they have it, maybe I'll have like a kid or something. I don't know. But like, I would like to like, (laughs) 
I, like if they were like if I could go to like Colorado or Canada or like Mexico, yeah, I would do it. We're more of like a convenient adventurist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like the call of the wild in my backyard. Yeah. So if they could do that. Uh, speaking of like levels and like content, have you seen Coffeezilla? I've seen Coffeezilla. Yes. He's Can good. we talk about this? Yeah, let's talk about him. Let me give you the background about this guy. So his name's Coffeezilla. He only has one point something million subscribers on YouTube. So he's not huge, huge yet, yeah, but he's growing weak. quickly. And yeah, small boy stuff. He, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he uh, basically, his whole thing is he wants to uncover internet scams. Um, not just internet, but mostly internet. So guys mm-hmm. like um, uh, fellow podcast guests, uh, Ty Lopez. Like he'll do a whole thing on Ty Lopez or he'll do a whole thing on Andrew Tate or a whole thing on... Dan Locke, who's like another internet guy, which are like typical. He, he typically answers kinda, the question that I often Google, which is, is X person legit? And, exactly. And he's trying to answer that question. And, and usually he's going in saying they're not legit. Here's here's what we know. So he but, did this with, you know, a bunch of people. And now he's doing one on Logan Paul. Logan Paul had a thing called the Crypto Zoo, I think it was called, which was like this crypto project that had all this shit going on. And, but the point being. He has the most attention to detail shit I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I, I saw this on Casey Neistat. Casey Neistat, I'm like, how are you making just your commute to work so fascinating? It was like, because he had all these interesting shots that were so thoughtful. This guy has the same thing where there'll be like a robot sitting behind a bar. And it's just like, you know, like, oh, I had a tough day at work. Coffeezilla is talking to like a fake robot. And I'm like, how is this interaction so freaking good? Or he'll like fly in people who worked with Logan Paul and he'll interview them in person and make this whole like 30 minute video that's as good as 60 minutes. And right. it's so fascinating. And it just shows you that there's levels to like the game and people who turn it up a notch. I think they're rewarded. Yeah, this guy, uh, his production quality has gotten like kind of insane um, recently. And I think that, you know, he's thriving on some of the big, you know, questions or controversies. SBF, uh, Logan Paul. Who else did he do? Um, Jake I Paul. He, I think he did. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Andrew Tate. Things, things like that. Uh, yeah, he's he's cool. He's he's good. I, and I, I really like this niche. Like, I think he's carved out like a really strong niche um, and brand, like visual brand too. So I think he's done a, a kind of an amazing job with with his videos and his content. But he kind of has pigeonholed himself. And there's this one move that a lot of people make. The Liver King made it when he said, "I do not take steroids." And now this guy is he does the same thing where he says, I do not make money through advertise through ads because I want you, the reader or the viewer to be supporting me so I can make more genuine shit. And I'm like, no, don't shut that off. You may feel that (laughs) way. You may feel that way today. But like Casey Neistat has this funny thing where he was like, dude, I had 100 million views before I turned ads on my YouTube because I thought I was being like an artist. And that was the stupidest thing ever because like I had I was so broke at the time and I couldn't like make more videos. And had I done that, I would have made an additional million dollars or whatever it is. And that's how exactly how I feel. I'm like, dude, just take the money. You could take the money and still be cool and ethical. And by the way, we could put like a before and after on the screen. Like if you go back into his channel three years ago, it's literally him in a messy bedroom He's like holding a mic up with his hand and, you know, he literally looks different. His background looks different. And that's like, you know, how he started. And this, you, you can see the jump up in quality in three years is like pretty insane, to be honest with you. Three years it, isn't that long, dude. It, this podcast is three years old, I think. And like 
just like the other day, you like didn't even wear a shirt when you recorded. Like, <laughs> like, like we, we still don't even, I don't even have a camera that works yet. I mean, like, like this guy, this guy but is I killing it. I do have a basketball hoop behind me now, so we're, we're moving yeah. up. <laughs> like, it took forever just to get a video camera that works, and we still call it a video camera. Uh, like... <laughs> My camcorder yeah. is broken. Yeah, I asked how to get a camcorder. Uh, yeah, his pro- his progress is is wonderful. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, all right, what else we got? What other what other uh, content you want to do? <laughs> I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the well the well runneth dry. Uh, okay, let me give you one. Um, have you seen this uh, website gently dot com? No, I think this is kind of no. a cool idea. Basically, it's. You know, like people, you, you do this probably, you probably buy like kind of vintage leather goods or whatever off of like, I don't know, whatever, some e- like eBay or Poshmark or Depop. I do. Like, there's all these secondhand marketplaces that that exist. So I just named three or four of them. Uh, the Real Real, right? There's like all these different places you could go. What Gently did was pretty smart was they just said, all right, how do we make a search engine? So you just tell us what product you want. We will go search all the different places and then we will just send you text message alerts as we find good deals on that thing you're, and that brand or that item that you want. I think this is pretty smart. And then they cut a deal with all the different marketplaces, which is, hey, if we send you the, the customer, we bought, we get to bring the customer, the buyer to you. How do we get you know our 10% kit cut or whatever it is off of that purchase? I think this is anytime you have like a fragmented set of places where something is, the one-stop search for it and search. And what they did smart was like these alerts. So uh, as soon as you put in that you're interested in something, they'll just constantly alert you about this thing. It's sort of like this, like highly targeted, you know, ad that they're they're sending you each time, and then you can go and you can buy the thing. And I think this is pretty cool. Saves this saves awesome. customer a bunch of time, brings these marketplaces customers, and um and does it in a way that's like actually like pretty seamless. So I thought this is actually a, a pretty cool idea. I'm gonna sign up for this. Uh, you are right. You stereotyped me correctly. You made some bold. <laughs> you, you made a stereotype, and uh, you're 100 percent correct. Uh, I was looking at investing in it, and I was like, "All right, let me just try using this thing." And I was like, "Oh, I don't have like hobbies or tastes. Like, you know, I don't, <laughs> there's not a. I don't know any of these brands. <laughs> I don't buy any vintage goods or like you know exclusive designer things. And so didn't really know what to do. Well, with it, it looks like it's you for, try it. it looks like Tell it, me if it's good. Well, it looks like it's for women mostly um, because it's Poshmark. That's mostly women. I think only women or mostly women. The Real Real, mostly women. I actually just went to the Real Real yesterday. They have a store where I'm staying. Uh, it's mostly women, I I believe. But no, I, I like this. I don't know if this could be a big business. Wouldn't the margins be like nothing? Yeah, because you're taking a cut of a cut. So I think that's the the hard part. You have to have like really high volume. Um, but I do think there's an, it's, an, it's enough of an interesting wedge where like, They'll probably need a second miracle, meaning if they have to, the first miracle is getting this popular where people start using this all the time. And then the second miracle is going to be something like, you know, they, they create their own, you know, supply on the, on the marketplace or they create their own marketplace out of this, or they, they got to do something. Maybe it's a subscription. I don't don't know. They have to come up with some other thing that's going to, um, kind of make this work. So, so I do think that that's the, that's the second thing. All right. Let me give you an idea now. Um, You've used ClickFunnels, correct? Yeah, I have. I've made a lot of money using ClickFunnels. If I asked you, what is ClickFunnels great at? Why would anybody use ClickFunnels? Quickly spin up drag and drop landing pages that can also accept money. 
And the landing page, well, there's a bunch of landing page builders that are drag and drop. Why click funnels? Is it better design? Is it, you know, faster, easier to use? What, what is the benefit? It's mostly horribly designed. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it was designed with like a set of crayons. And the reason it's <laughs> like the it, perfect way to say, <laughs> yeah, it looks like someone like just got like a red and blue crayon and like whiteboard it. And they just like turn that into a website. <laughs> uh, so, no, uh, it does. It just has a three or four features that are exactly what you need for getting money quickly on a website. And I think, uh, you know, one of them, the way I would describe it, it's called, it's called click funnels for a reason, which is that they are they're specifically funnels. So they're like designed to convert a customer um, through a funnel, which the funnel might have through multiple a steps. It might be like, first, we're going to grab their email. We're going to optimize for grab email. Then once they grab the email, we're going to then offer them this upsell, or we're going to then ask them to pay. And if they don't pay, then, <laughs> then they'll go here in the funnel. The whole point of their software is to get your money to become my money. <laughs> And they're, <laughs> that's like what they do. <laughs> they, they go, you have someone on your website. How do you get the money in their bank, their bank account into yours? And they make it easy. So you can exactly. like, perfect. You can ex- wow. You're on fire. <laughs> they, um, you accept an email, you get the sale, you do an upsell, you do all this stuff. And they're unabashed. They're, they, they, they're unashamed. Whereas like the funnel a Shopify, will be like upsell. It'll be like upsell one. Then if they say yes, hit them with upsell two. If they say yes, hit them with upsell three. If they say no, hit them with downsell. Downsell one, downsell two, downsell. It's like, what the hell are these? I, I literally don't even have enough products to like fill your funnel. I don't have downsell products. What are these? Um, but it works. It works. It was quite It effective. works. And I think ClickFunnels does over a hundred million in revenue or something like that. They, they throw that hundred million number around a lot. I, I don't think know if it's, it's way like more than that now. or an annual thing. I think their uh, churn is really high. That's that's the problem with these things is like the churn, like <laughs> that attitude of like make your bank account my bank account. That doesn't exactly have the most like the best longevity. But yeah, yeah your customers are kind of piece of shit marketers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like downside. bullying them. Yeah, I think so. I think somebody can make a ClickFunnels 2.0. Um, in fact, I think we could make ClickFunnels 2.0. Uh, like I think if we used our brand, we could create a better click funnels, which is uh, what the guy did. Russell Brunson. He had a, uh, he was like a content guy. I mean, he, he like had masterminds and shit like that, but he had like a huge email list and yeah. then he like launched the software and it wasn't great at first. In fact, it's still so, not really that great. If there are any developers or designers that don't use crayons, um, you know, build us a, a click funnels competitor. We will, we will promote it because click funnels is honestly a very useful tool. It is very super useful, good at doing the job, which is the your money to my money thing, which is exactly what a lot of people want. And it's simple. And that's, that's the beauty of it. When you make a ClickFunnels page, it's like there's no navigation. There's no footer. There's no scroll. It's like, yeah, there's a giant box that says, give me your fucking email. And it says it's like a flashing <laughs> button. And it says, if you click this thing with your email, something Dude. real good is going to happen. And, and like, like they'll might be something good. I, I guess I'll put my email in. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know why this is still a thing. When you sell a product there, all of the product images are like pictures of DVD and PC game boxes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a box set always. It's like a With CD. A- <laughs> I'm like, dude, my, like I don't even own a thing that could accept a CD. Why is like this, pr- this like product always like a set of CDs? Yeah, it exactly. It still looks That's, like that. It's, Cause it's infomercial, right? It's, it's the equivalent of an infomercial, but online. Um, 
So I think some somebody click click funnels. I also think specifically for e-commerce, there's not really a click funnels for e-commerce. There's a bunch of people who think they're click funnels for e-commerce. And trust me, I am in e-commerce. I have tried to build funnels using Shogun, Builder, all of these guys. Nobody's done it. Nobody has made it simple. Nobody has made it stupidly obvious where you hit the customer over the head with the offer. And like, that's all you really need to do. And I've looked at so many of these and nobody has, nobody's made it dumb enough. Everybody makes it too smart. And, um, and so I think there's, there's generally like a click funnels, like 2.0. And I think that there's click funnels for e-commerce is a, is an opportunity that's out there. And I think you would need like, you'd either need to be a Russell Brunson type of guy where you are going to independently build your brand as a smart entrepreneur marketer type dude, or you should partner with, uh, or like, you know, we, like someone like us who already has that audience and that brand can distribute a product like this and get it to, I don't know, probably somewhere between like three and 6 million ARR just off of our audience. Um, if totally. the product is actually good, but if the product actually has to be good. Have you heard of, uh, well, do, so another thing that ClickFunnels did, like th- these guys are really fascinating. And at first I was a hater on them and then I was like, oh no, they're all right. Uh, but they, the they, they're what their the conferences, conferences are, in, are, are a little cringe, but still cool. Like I respect it, but they make money off info products. And this was so fascinating and so smart. So a lot of big software companies, they're like, dude, I'm not going to sell anything but the software because like this one thing makes so much profit and revenue. Like I'm just doing this one thing. And they were like, nah, F that. See, we don't have a lot of money to spend. So we're bootstrapped. Our marketing is going to be profitable. And so they write like guides and do all this stuff. And they'll charge like $100 for like a book. And when you buy that book, you're automatically like get a, you know, a month free of ClickFunnels. And they basically, when they hit $100 million in revenue, it was $80 million in subscription revenue and 20 million in info product revenue and Mm. they would create these info products and sell it and that's good because they would acquire a customer for a break-even amount for an info product and automatically add them into their subscription revenue for their software and that was really fascinating i thought it was a great idea and they've proven that it can work really nicely yeah i think in general uh break-even marketing is a phrase i've used in every every single company i've built which is like what is a version of our marketing that itself is a, not a cost center as a profit center. It doesn't have to be the main marketing channel, but like we should do something like for you, HustleCon was a good example of this, right? It's like, I'm going to do HustleCon. It's going to get people to find out about the hustle. It's going to take people who like us and make them love us and make them super evangelists. And it's going to get all these speakers to come speak. That'll become content. So that's marketing there. But you were like, yeah, but this is not just like a money pit. No, we need to make money on our marketing. And I just feel like most people don't really consider that. But it, like uh, at TwitchCon, uh, uh, when I was at Twitch, it's the same thing. Twitch, there's this thing called TwitchCon. It's this like, I don't know, 30, 40, 50,000 people, something show up to this thing. It's all Did the they Twitch make community. money off that? And they, they don't really try to make money off of it. But the merch store at TwitchCon, literally the line is like, it's like, imagine like the San Diego conference center or whatever, which is like a, you know, a three mile long building or some shit like that. The line is the entire three miles. It's like the craziest line you've ever seen. People waiting slowly, like hours to go in to buy your hoodie. And I was like, this is crazy. How much are we making off this? And like, it was like, you know, run by this like two person team. It wasn't really like the main focus. And like, you know, the, the event itself, you know, has sponsors stuff. And they did have revenue, but like, I felt like there could be so much more 
that was done. There was so much more like potential to commercialize that thing. And I get it, which is like in your company of Twitch's size, you don't need to worry about making a couple million bucks off this thing. But if you shrink that, but it down, still kills it, me. It still kills me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, first of all, you should have just been able to sell more merch just like by being more efficient. Like, you know, how many people didn't wait in this four hour line? Uh, you know, that that's just like one thing altogether. The second thing is um, if you're not Twitch, you're not generating, you know, call it billion dollars of revenue. Uh, if you're ClickFunnels or The Hustle, or you're a normal size business. These these break even marketing things, a marketing event that makes you 500K or 1.5 million or something like that. That's actually quite meaningful um, compared to it losing 500k or losing a million dollars which is where most companies default to and i think just with a little bit of creativity you could turn a lot of cost centers into profit centers or at least break even when it comes to marketing dude there's this attitude that i've been having lately so i've been working on this like new project and i've switched my attitude when i was starting the hustle i was like um i'll do anything for any advertiser to make any amount of money like whatever <laughs> dude just, you know what i mean like i'm like I'll, whatever i just need i need pennies give me pennies i'll do it all and i'm like yeah, sure. Like, you know, you know, the rules said no CBD, but like, you know, like what's I have an eraser. We can erase that rule. And uh, <laughs> now I've been like saying like, nope, this is what it is. I say no to everything. And like, oh, this person wants to join. I don't really feel like it. Let's just raise the price really high so they don't want to join or like, you know what I mean? Or like, like, yeah. let's just, like this, this, this type of attitude. It's made it's made the business is so much more successful having that attitude and like it's it's pretty Standing funny for you know you know like there was this hot girl that i knew and i was like and she was like joking and she's like my motto for getting dudes is uh treat them mean keep them keen the meaner i treat them the happier and more they want me and i was like that's the greatest thing ever i'm gonna do that with my life of course it didn't work with women but uh, it's kind of worked with business is treat them mean keep them keen it's like the more we say no the more they want it and i can't believe it's worked that way <laughs> dude rhyming is just an underrated strategy in general <laughs> let me just put that out there i don't know what the hell she's talking about but it rhymed and that made me feel good made me think that she's got her shit together <laughs> dude treat them mean keep them keen you lived in australia keen means like you know like you yeah. like them yeah you shouldn't need a dictionary for your catchphrases i i that's my personal opinion um right like <laughs> you didn't know who dolly parton was though so like you don't really know anything <laughs> all right um I got a bone to pick with the fitness industry. So you're fit. I'm aspiring <laughs> to be fit. Yeah. And a lot of the products I feel are geared towards people like you. It's like, bro, you want to be ripped? It's, hey, do you want, you know, girls, do you want a bigger butt and flatter stomach? You know, that's kind of like most, yeah, it, I would that's say. That's me. <laughs> that's you. And then that's the female version of you. Um I feel like 90% of like ad dollars go towards that when it comes to fitness. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Just people who want to look good naked. So you're struggling with your light bulb there, by the way. I know. See, there's this thing, there's this compass that lets you show how to center it perfectly so that it uh, floats, but it's not, not participating. At people the are loving that um, thing, by the way, you're going to sell a lot of them in the videos. They're loving that light bulb. Yeah, I know. I'm not shouting out who made this because I'm going to make our own. This is the, oh, okay. this is the start of our merch store. I've decided we need to do merch. Um, we're too we're too fucking catchy to not have merch. Is what, we is need the way coins, bro. We just gotta get the coin business. Um, coins, dollar bills, whatever. All right. So so, anyways, fitness. Okay. Ninety <laughs> percent of dollars I feel like go towards getting you spring break ready, but 
uh, my trainer, for example, he works out, he works me out in the garage and in doing so, there's a whole bunch of people that pass by. And I got to say the most interested group of people that pass by are not looking to get ripped, shredded, jacked, swole, whatever words you want to say. Those aren't the words that they're interested in. They want to be knee pain free. They want to be back pain free. They want to be foot pain free. And I feel like the pain free uh, version of, of exercise is a little under marketed. And for every, you know, P90X or Beachbody program, I think that there should be a even bigger version of that. That's just helping mom not have knee pain when she walks or gets up from her chair. And, um, and I think that what happens is there's a lot of workout programs that would say we could do that. That's what ours, our program is great for that. Like we both like knees over toes guy. He's great for that. But there's still this leap that the person has to put together that, oh, if I do these exercises, then that will be the, the benefit that I get out of it. Whereas somebody else might be trying to jump higher, or run faster. And I think that in the same way that the, uh, you know, that vitamin brand, Ollie, how they, instead of saying we provide vitamin D uh, or we, we provide magnesium, it's like, it's like we better make you sleep. sleep better. Yeah. Yeah. Immunity, sleep better, you know, whatever. They, they basically just go straight to the benefit. And I think that there should be a juggernaut of a fitness company that is simply trying to make it so that you are back pain and knee pain and foot pain free, neck pain. These like common pains that people who are, you know, have a ton of money, have a ton of motivation to get these things fixed. And it's just a lightweight exercise program. I've been telling you about this. Remember, I was like, my Instagram feed is just full of shirtless dudes, like stretching their hips and like doing like stretches. Like it's just this whole, they call it mobility now. Mobility is the new pain free, you know, or mobility is like the new Correct. yoga. Mobility is, I think, I think it's the right idea, but I think it's the wrong frame. I don't need shirtless dudes stretching their hips. I need mom saying, um, I woke up every day and I had this problem. I just, I just thought it was I'm getting old. That's it. And then they put me on this, you know, 21 day program by Dr. Knee and Dr. Knee. Thank you Dr. so nee. much. I now walk pain free. <laughs> I walk my dog. I can play with my grandkids. Thank you so much, Dr. Knees. And we need Dr. Knees as the brand. And we need the testimonial not being ripped shirtless guy stretching his hips. It needs to be, you know, what do they call it? The, the silver tsunami or whatever. Like it needs to be somebody with a little gray hair saying how they used to not be able to just, you know, do simple stuff in the kitchen and, and get out, getting out of bed. And now they can. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than, yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, the company, um, was it called the, uh, what was the thing that it's like, I, I have one. Is it hypervolt? I forget one of the, one of those like either hypervolt or Theragun, Theragun. companies. They said, I remember they seeing their pitch when they raised money. They go, we want to be the Nike for recovery. And right. I actually Hyper don't Ice, think, I think is the, the name uh, of is it Hyper Ice? I think that'd be yeah. challenging to pull off because they're just kind of selling like a product that's a bit commoditized now, just like this vibrating thing. Uh, but they've done a pretty good job with the branding. But I think that that pitch was quite interesting. And I actually think it has legs. I think challenging, but it has legs. And I think you could also have like a Nike for you know, like pain free, like, uh, like, I actually do think that that's like, there is something quite interesting there with that. Yeah, the way calm did around meditation, if someone did around just getting rid of pains that you think you have to live with, but actually can be reversed. Do you have um, pain? I don't but I, like, like, for example, my trainer, he trains, he trains me, but he also trains my mom. He trains my neighbor who's like the CEO of a big tech company. 
but then he also trains his mom. And in fact, my neighbor, who's the CEO of a tech company, he will miss sessions all the time because like, you know, whatever he's on calls and shit like that. But his mom never misses it. And she's never worked out. Like she didn't have a gym membership. So she went from not having a gym membership to having a personal trainer. And when you see what he has her do, it's like, is this a library? Like you're stationary for like 90% of the workout. And it's like, yeah, if she's sitting down flat footed, she's just trying to push up from like, you know, her toes because her toes are incredibly weak and that's causing a whole bunch of structural issues. So he just works up toes, then ankles. Then he gets to the, to the calf then the hamstring, then the knee, you know, and he, he's just working his way up, built, rebuilding it. And she's like mowing her lawn now. Like she couldn't like walk basically like she from my neighbor's house to my house. She basically couldn't get there each day. And now she's literally mowing her lawn. And, um, and that's like kind of a kind of, kind of a crazy recovery. Why don't you just get ripped? Just do that also. <laughs> Bro, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy likes cheese. Okay. There's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> I, uh, you ever had a so, Dorito? <laughs> so I, I'm going to have to show you a shirtless pick because, oh, so I like got really strong. And then over the past like eight weeks, I've lost 15 pounds and I'm trying to like, I just like to try new things. So now I'm trying to get skinny and everyone's like, how are you doing it? And the answer is, I just don't really eat. You just be, be hungry all the time. <laughs> and my, yeah. my trainer, my trainer was like, well, what's your goal? And he, I go, uh, I want to look good naked and live forever. And, uh, he was like, cool. Well, one of the proven things that makes that people live for a long, for a long time is calorie restriction. So just not eating a lot. So if you want to live for a long time, you just got to get used to not eating a lot. So I've been getting used to it and it's not so bad. It's not so bad, but <laughs> it is kind of bad. It's pretty bad. I'm on that Warren Buffett kick, bro. I'm trying to live till 95, rich, happy, telling great stories, eating like shit, but enjoying every, every meal <laughs> as you drink like a Coke Zero. <laughs> a Coke Zero. That's my splurge. I drink a Coke Zero and I drink a Fresca. That's my drink. You ever drink a Fresca? Here's another service. Someone who has the exact same life scenario as you, but is fit, will send you a shirtless picture every day and say, there's no excuses. Oh, you're, you're a mother of three. Here's a mother of three. Who's fit. She's going to send you a picture every morning. What's your excuse now? Oh, you're an entrepreneur. Sam Parr is going to send you a picture every day and say, yeah, I'm also an entrepreneur. What's your excuse? It's going to be called shamefully. Shamefully. Yeah, exactly. .io. <laughs> shamefully. .ly. Shamefully. Lee. Yeah. And, and we, we simply ask you, what's your excuse? What? Look, we start actually like a nice guy. Hey, we understand life's tough. What's holding you back? The realities ha of life? Is, Dude, is it time? Is it money? Is it your kids? Is it your, your unsupportive husband? What is it? And then we find you an exact match who has overcome that, that thing, and they just guilt you every morning. If you're on your phone right now listening to this, go to TikTok, or maybe also Instagram, but for sure TikTok, and type in the word Papa Swole. So it's P-A-P-A, -P -A, <laughs> and then Swole. S-W-O-L-L, I think, or S-W-O-L-E. There's this guy on TikTok who came out of nowhere and he has at this point like three or four million followers or maybe even more. I forget. I looked a few months ago. And all he does all day is he has one video and he just walks up to the camera and he goes, go to the fucking gym, go to the fucking gym, go to the guy. gym. <laughs> That's all he says. And now he's selling T-shirts and mugs and all this stuff. And he it, three times a day, he makes the same video every single day. And it just says, go to the gym, go to the gym. And it's hilarious. 
Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I've, I've seen this guy. He just walks up to the camera dramatically and says this one thing and everyone everyone goes crazy. It's the best. Let me tell you about a different a, a different TikTok thing that I think is pretty dope. All right. Um, let's let's wrap it there. I still got some more, but it's there's too late in the episode to bring them up and bring them up now. Um, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> 